This is the Empowered Conversations with Aline and Christina podcast. We are two educators of color that have been in the game for over 15 years. Thanks for joining us as we break down and speak on systems that were not built for Black, Indigenous people of color and the ways we address them head on. As we lean on each other in this work, it would be big for us if you took a moment to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod, where we build community and support one another in this work. All right, let's get into this episode. Welcome back to the Empowered Conversations podcast with Aline and Christina, season one, episode eight. I'm Aline, co-host of this podcast. And I'm Christina, the other co-host of this podcast. Hey, y'all. So in our last podcast episode, we talked about the anti-Asian attacks that are plaguing our streets. We also unpacked how the anti-Asian attacks are a part of an overarching umbrella that shares the same roots as anti-Black, anti-Indigenous, anti-Latinx, anti-queer, anti-immigrant, basically white supremacy. Um, and so before we get into today's episode, let's do our quick check-in. So Christina, how are you doing? Oh, um, I'm good. I'm good. I, I always feel like every time you ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, I, I like struggle answering that question, mainly because we're recording this, like we usually record this between like eight and 10 PM. Um, so, I mean, I mean, nothing to complain about, you know, just the usual educator stuff, just super tired. Mm -hmm. It's just really hard for me to switch my educator slash admin mind off because it's the end of the school year. And so I'm just, I like this stream of conscious, right? Just like you're thinking about what you need to be doing mm -hmm. the following day and then the next day and then the next week and so on and so forth. So yeah, basically um, I'm cool. Uh, thank you for asking. How are you doing, Aline? <laughs> <How are you? laughs> well, I mean, also feeling really tired. Um, yeah, end of the school year, I just feel like brings on a lot of this rush to the finish line um, and where everyone's trying to do multiple things at once um, and it's just pretty exhausting the day goes by pretty fast um, but you know overall I think I'm doing okay I still you know find something on a daily basis that I can complain about um, mostly around like system issues or people that are working my nerves but for the most part, you know, things are good. Um, personally, last week was my birthday. Uh, so thank you for those who shared some Instagram birthday wishes. I appreciate that. And then also it was Mother's Day this weekend. So um, had some things to celebrate and try to kind of really sit in that happiness and like the good things. Because uh, I think oftentimes, you know, being overwhelmed with the negativity of what's going on around us, what's happening at work, 
um, all that can really kind of get in the way and cloud some of those things. So I did my best to try to just stay in those moments and celebrate it as much as possible in this pandemic while still being, I don't know, sometimes extra safe and not going anywhere. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, it's been, it was good. It was good. And now we just, the countdown is real. The countdown to summer is, is real. Yeah. Um, more like three weeks for me. Do you, do you keep a, like a calendar? Like, do you like write it down? Like, do you have dates, like a countdown at all? You know what? I, I remember I did that as a teacher. Uh-huh. I kind of stopped doing that as an administrator because even though we're an 11 month employee, like real talk, it's like this unspoken thing where you still continue to do work during the summer. But I feel like with experience, I feel like I had a tough time doing that during my first few years as admin. I don't know. That's something to unpack. Maybe because I felt like I had to, or it was dumped on me, or I felt like I was trying to build my reputation as a dependable, um, qualified admin competent admin. So I felt like I needed to build my reputation. But then also there's just simply that piece of shit needed to get done. And the only time you had time to do it was during the summertime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I think now as a veteran administrator, um, I learned how to say no, respectfully. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I mean, I Yes and no, I keep a, I, I X out boxes. Well, it's interesting that you say that though, because um, to just today, what um, the kind of like the morning interaction that I had with one of my assistant principals was good morning, 11 days. And so he's like literally by countdown because he's keeping track of the days that we have left. So that's why I wanted to ask you because I, I, I usually do, but this time I just don't have the numbers I don't have it numbered and like I'm not I just know that it's coming up um but it's also different for me too where part of me is like well yeah like okay it's summertime but there's still things that need to get done so I'm, I'm gonna be working past that last day of school um but then I'm also not an admin I'm a counselor now but even counselors work five days after the teachers leave in our district um, so there's still some kind of like, quote unquote, summer work, but that's nothing compared to what I'm used to. So anyways, I'm all this to say that I'm really looking forward to the summer. Oh, and the countdown I, is real. 100%. 100%. Oh, man. All right, Christina. Well, um, let's get into today's episode. Uh, so today we want to talk about microaggressions and one, because I feel like, you know, Christina and I have done a lot of, well, I mean, we check in regularly. And last week, I feel like it was almost a daily text message exchange with her around a microaggression that I experienced or that we were talking about or unpacking together. And so 
let's start off by just defining it so that um, we kind of ground ourselves in what we're talking about when we're saying microaggressions. Um, so as defined in the NPR article by Andrew Limbong, microaggressions are defined as the everyday, subtle, intentional, and oftentimes unintentional interactions or behaviors that communicate some sort of bias towards historically marginalized groups. The difference between microaggressions and overt, overt discrimination or macroaggressions is that people who commit microaggressions might not even be aware of them. And so um, that article is linked in the blog. Um, and so you can go back and read it. Um, but we just wanted to pull out that definition to talk about what it actually is. So Christina, why don't you So talk? yes, um, speaking of the blog, So yeah, so speaking of blog, um, please check out blog number eight. Um, it's called Microaggression and Choosing Your Battles. And um, I actually um, wrote an example of what really um, inspired me to write the blog about microaggression. So I wrote here that at the end of April 2021, I was texted a video of a Zoom meeting of a former zoning commissioner by the name of Tony Collins, who is a white male. Um, he was refusing to address a college professor who's um, an African-American female by the name doctor. And instead of referring to her as doctor, he repeatedly kept on calling her Mrs. Even though she would correct him and tell him that she wanted to be referred to as doctor, as Dr. Rosario. Thing is, was that I was uh, not only texted the video by friends and former colleagues, I was tagged to the video and I noticed at least five people in my IG feed reposted the video clip as well. So, that is definitely something that was I, I, I felt passionate about, um, mainly because I could definitely relate to it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, first, before, you know, I share my story and, and my relation to it, I, I want to hear from Aline, because okay. I, I believe I tagged you. <laughs> um, I tagged you to the to the IG post. Mm -hmm. So what what was your reaction? And what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, it's interesting because when you tagged me in it, like I had, hadn't seen that video, but I had seen other examples that were similar um, on, on social media around, um, you know, BIPOC doctors, um, those that hold a, a, doc, a, doc, a doctorate. Um, being not being called or referred to as doctor. Um, and one, we will be posting, uh, we'll, we'll share the video on our Instagram and it'll, it's linked in the blog so you can look at it if you haven't seen it. But I mean, for me, like this is coming up even today, like now. Um, I'm at a new school site and I do go by Dr. Cervantes. Like I, worked really hard for that degree. 
Um, and I truly believe that representation matters. And so regardless of my position, I want to be called Dr. Cervantes. That's what I go by with my students. Um, yes, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those people that are going to correct someone mid-sentence if they don't call me that, but it is something that following up a conversation, I'll say like, you know, I like, I prefer to be referred to as Dr. Cervantes. Um, but on a daily basis, I feel like I'm asked why, you know, if I want to be called Dr. Cervantes, like I literally had a conversation with a teacher that I've been working with all school year in Zoom meetings on a regular basis, you know, come to my office and ask me, um, so just wondering, do you want to be called Mrs. Cervantes or Dr. Cervantes? And I'm like, well, Dr. Cervantes, like, I mean, you can call me Aline because, you know, we're colleagues, but if we're in a meeting, like I prefer to be called Dr. Cervantes. And in that moment, it was more just like, yeah, like I'm answering a question. But then I sat back and thought about it. Like, why is that even a question for me? Like, if that is my title and that's been made, you know, pretty well known at this point, it's May or like at that time was April. Um, like, why is that even a question? And our superintendent holds a doctorate and no one questions whether or not he should be referred to as, you know, doctor, his last name. And so that's where I completely relate to this, where it's like, I don't understand why that's even a question. Um, and that's directly, you know, speaking to this video. What about you, Christina? Um. <laughs> I feel like I could go, I, I have like a list of how I could relate to this. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we're, we're trying to keep our podcast to 45 minutes. <laughs> um, yes, 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 yes. Every, everything to that, what you just said is totally like I could um, second everything that you just said. I mean, personally for me, and I always tell this to staff, like I don't wait for them to ask me. I, I just, when I, when I introduce myself, um, I tell them that um, I want to be called Dr. Macalino, specifically in meetings, when we have meetings with parents, when we have meetings with students, and when we have meetings with um, outside colleagues, I, 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 that is my preferred name. I want to be called Dr. Macalino. Mm -hmm. However, when it's just um, in the comforts of our own home, meaning like it's just us staff members. Mm -hmm. um, and when I meet staff members, I'm talking about like the teachers, the janitor, uh, custodian, excuse me, uh, security. Like y'all finna call me Christina. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's, that's what I prefer even during staff meetings. And it's just us. I want to be called Christina, but absolutely the moment that we are in front of guests, I, I want to be called Dr. Macalino for the most part, I, I must say, um, I've had my doctorate, uh, at three different school sites <laughs> and, um, I would say that um, for the most part, the staff and my admin team, they've been very respectful about it. 
Um, and sometimes they would correct me uh -huh. uh, when I would refer to myself as, as Miss Mom. Because um, for the longest time, I would just refer to myself, not even Ms. I would, I, I, I preferred Miss, the M-I-S-S -S version. Oh. Uh, don't ask me why. I, I just, that's just something I would do. And so there are times when I caught myself calling myself Miss. But then like someone else on the team would be like, well, as Dr. Macalino said, uh, however, um, I've had some very awkward moments, awkward slash disrespectful moments where I've had um, supervisors, uh, mainly white male supervisors who uh, would not call me Dr. Macalino. Um, even though I told them to. Mm. Um, and I've even had, um, to make matters even more awkward, I've had um, conversations with them about it. I wrote about this in the blog where um, I've had, I can name like literally uh, at least five white male supervisors who asked mm. me questions like, oh, so what kind of doctorate do you have again? And uh, where did you get your doctorate? And, you know, make that cheesy joke. And they're not the only ones. I've, I've had like even family members and friends joke around that I'm not a real doctor because, you know, everyone, you got to have that MD, right? Like mm -hmm. that's like the only real doctor. Um, or like they, my former supervisors would ask like, oh, so why did you get a doctorate again? Or seems like a waste of time. Or so why do you prefer, do you prefer to be doctor or? Can I ask you why? And like, just, you know, like I'm basically asked to like unpack why I want to be called a certain name. Right. Which is exactly going back to what you said, Aline, about how there at my last school site, my superintendent, he had a doctorate degree. I don't think anybody would ask him uh, why he would be preferred to be called doctor. I, I don't think that would ever come out of anybody's mouth. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's just like an automatic thing. Um, one story that really sticks out to me was that uh, one of my, he wasn't a direct supervisor, but then um, at one of my former school districts, at one of my uh, superiors or supervisors, he, um, he also held a doctorate. And we were at a meeting, a district meeting, and, and we were, it was during a break. And um, he asked me why I wanted to be called a doctor. And he was like, oh, well, because I'm, I also have a doctorate. But um, I, I don't require people, I don't require parents or students to call me doctor. Um, and he's like, and the reason why I don't do that is because I feel like that just creates a divide. And I'm, I'm, I, I feel that it's my job and my duty to create a relationship mm. with, my, with my students and, and, and staff and parents, and I feel like that title could divide us. 
So I'm just curious as to why you would prefer them to call you doctor. And I, I clearly remember that I, um, I, I took a deep ass breath <laughs> before I answered him. And I, I made that breath like very um, apparent and I definitely exaggerated, elaborated because I wanted him to see how irritated I was. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I remember specifically saying like, I'm, I don't, I don't remember my exact words, but I basically said that it kind of irritates me that I have to explain this. Um, because that's, that's the name that I want to be called period. Like, I feel like I shouldn't even have to explain it. Right. Um, but I was like, just in response, a direct response to everything that you said, like, if you feel that a name is preventing you from uh, developing a relationship between students staff and, and, and parents, I was like, you gotta, you gotta rethink your tactics and strategies because mm-hmm. it, it should not be a name or a title or a title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and once again, and yes, he, he, he was that supervisor that I'm talking about from a former school district, um, he he was a white male. Mm -hmm. And so for him to have the privilege to feel that he doesn't have to be called a certain name or a certain title to be respected. Absolutely, you write. That's that privilege coming in. You're absolutely right. You don't need that title to feel entitled or respected. Right. Well, and even just like thinking about the video was like how how many times she corrected him. And it was more just like he kept saying like, well, that's not what we're talking about. Like that, like what, like, that's not the issue here. Or, you know, like, can, like going back and forth on in this public setting, like in the public forum at this meeting, basically like in her, in her face in front of other people disrespecting her by not addressing her by her title and her preferred title at that point, you know, and and so I just think about that too, where it's like, how, like, what might be some like microaggression is definitely doesn't feel micro, right? And I, I think that comes up a lot too when we're talking about microaggressions and the impact. It does does not feel micro, even if you know the person who's committing it isn't aware of it. And in this sense, you know, the person, the the zoning commissioner definitely was overtly refusing to call her by her title, um, but probably wouldn't admit to that being a form of a microaggression. And so I'm curious too, if there's any other kind of examples of microaggressions, because I have one that just happened, Christina, um, if you want to share something or if you want me to share mine. No, please, 
share, share yours. I, I feel like my microaggressions that happen, um, you know, thankfully have not happened recently. Um, unfortunately they've happened at my former school districts. And so, and I, I feel like I could go on and on and on about it. And I feel like sometimes when I talk about it, um, I, I have regrets uh -huh. because I'm like, there are certain times where I did speak up for myself. And then there are other times when I didn't. And that goes back to choosing your battles, right? So yes, so I mean, I, I feel like sometimes me even like talking about what happened in the past, like it makes me feel some type of way. Mm -hmm. So I, what I'm saying is, is that I'm grateful for my circumstance right now, but let me knock on wood because let's not act like it ain't gonna happen. But, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious because I know this story but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how you're going to share it up on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> I'm also not sure if you know which one I'm going to share, because I feel like there were a string of them. Um, and I think the, the, oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> the one that I want to share um, during this podcast episode is um, one that maybe other um, Latinx people, uh, people or even like educators have felt um, around this time of year and uh, specifically around the, the holiday that was created um, in this country for Cinco de Mayo. And um, I'll share this because it's really, it's a, for me, I feel like it was a good example of a microaggression um, because I know the teachers who sent this request did not have any bad intention behind it. It just really was not thought through. Um, and also, again, talking about like not understanding the impact that it has. So what happened is um, a teacher was working on a project with their, their class. I'm not gonna go into the detail of what class it was for. Um, but sent an email um, requesting that the staff work on um, like a slideshow for Cinco de Mayo where we filmed ourselves talking about our heritage and what the holiday means to us and our memories of it. And for a minute there, like, mind you, this was at the end of the day and I don't even wanna talk about what this, what this email was after um, there was a whole nother meeting that I was a part of um, before I saw this email. Um, and for a second there, I didn't think anything of it. I was just kind of annoyed, like, oh man, this school does something for Cinco de Mayo. I know several schools do, so I'm not knocking that, but um, I, I thought it was sent to the entire staff. And so that's when I was like, oh, wow, okay, whatever. Like I was about to hit delete. But then a part of me was like, well, let me see hold on like so I looked to see who it was sent to and it wasn't to the whole staff it was to our like to what the teacher who the teacher thought was Mexican I'm thinking because you know Cinco de Mayo 
specifically, you know, dealing with Puebla and Mexico. Um, but when I was looking at the names, a lot of the people listed there were not Mexican. And one of the people happened to be an administrator. And right away, and I knew the administrator is not Mexican. And so immediately I got pissed. So I didn't respond, but I was about to, and I didn't because I knew I needed to take a break. And I checked in with the administrator. I sent him a text message because at that time it was after school hours. I was on my way out. And I just said, you know, hey, I saw the email. I think it's inappropriate. I know most of the people listed on there are Central American. Um, they're not Mexican. Um, so yeah, like, and he um, was like, we'll check in about this tomorrow. We did. And, you know, ultimately what I think happened was the right step. It was a teachable moment um, where a conversation happened. And mind you, I'm Mexican. So it wasn't more just like, yeah, I, I could have participated in this. One, I don't necessarily celebrate the holiday and I have my own feelings about it. Um, but at the same time, I got really upset because the people listed in the email, they're not Mexican or don't identify as Mexican. And so it's just like, what is, you know, it basically clumped them all in again, like without respecting the different cultures, different ethnicities to say like, we're all Mexican. And that's something that, you know, within our own culture has been, um, you know, an issue of contention. So it's like, that in itself is an example of microaggression that just literally happened and was really pissed off because the school is, our school is quote unquote, working on equity and discussing issues of race. So that's my example, Christina. And I'm sure that there are some listeners who have examples to share as well. Um, but really, with that example, though, and you all, you guys can't see Christina's face right now, but um, I'm sure she feels some type of way about what I just shared. I, I, I can't even. Um, I'm laughing because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. I mean, it's, like there, I, I was reading this article, um, the article, the magazine isn't called Teaching for Tolerance anymore. I think it's called, do you remember what the Teaching for Tolerance change? Uh, teaching Tolerance change? Oh my God, I was literally just looking at this today. Um. I, I, I read, articles from there all the time and I put it in our staff PDs so learning for justice learning for justice there is this article and you know what I'm a I'm gonna find that article and I, I'm gonna put it in one of our blogs um and it's about how um admin school site admin uh, the number one thing that you should never do as school site admin, or even as an educator, is uh, reach out to a fellow colleague to ask them to help lead uh, some type of um, uh, ethnic uh, info 
um, event such as Cinco de Mayo, such as Black History Month, like that is, that is not their role and responsibility to be the spokesperson for, for, for that ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as, as, as you, like, that's like one of like the number one no-nos. And, and, and I feel like that, that article was specifically addressed to administrators, even though it was like meant for all educators, there was just some like underlining where I just felt like it was specifically like to people in supervisor roles, right? Mm -hmm. Like to not hit up your people to ask them to basically do your job, right? Because being an administrator, one of our goals, in addition to being instructional leaders, is to build uh, a, a safe and welcoming climate and culture. Mm-hmm. So, I, <laughs> so yeah, that that that's like a that's definitely a no no. Kind of like the no no of like when you say stuff like you have a pass to say certain things because your best friend is of mm-hmm. certain ethnicity or something that that's like the equivalent of what administrators shouldn't do at their school site yeah well, I, 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 think- sorry, I gotta I gotta say one thing though what it well I'm not gonna get into t- too much detail about it uh, but there was an incident where I knew someone um, in one of my past admin teams who instead of going to the admin team who had people of color up in it to talk about what we're going to do for African-American History Month or Black History Month and she instead this administrator bypassed the admin team and went to um uh, a classified um staff person who is Black and asked them what their opinion was of uh, and what their ideas were for uh, for Black History Month. So that's uh, that's another um, something very similar to 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 your experience. Well, and I just think like again, like these th- these incidents happen on a daily basis, and we're talking about experiences with adults. And we work at school sites with with kids, with students. Um, and so it just part of it is like, if it's happening to us, what is happening in the classrooms? And that's just what I think about. And so one, we need to talk about it some more at our school sites and create an environment where people feel comfortable to call it out or call people in, um, in my, example I felt I wasn't in a situation where I felt comfortable to be able to address it directly with the teacher but I did feel comfortable to go to the admin um, and express my concern and my frustration and my anger (laughs) that resulted in seeing who the email was targeted to and it did end up resulting in um, a productive conversation that hopefully help the other teacher realize the impact that that request had. Um, And so I think, you know, part of our roles in our schools um, 
is one to recognize what is happening um, when they're happening, support one another as we see them happening or as we like maybe think that um, something was said that made someone feel uncomfortable or um, felt othered um, and, and continue to have the conversations where we can build a space to be able to have those teachable moments but not have it always be on the person who was the victim of the microaggression. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still like <laughs> about your story. <laughs> and I think that was like the, the minor one, like compared to the other things that I shared with you last week. Um, yeah, I know, I was getting kind of nervous. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I was like, is she really going to go there? I was like, good for her, but okay. <laughs> no, I think that was just, I think the example I shared is something that, you know, others can relate to. Maybe that's happened. And since it's so fresh because it was last week. Anyways, so what are we, I mean, what do we do about this, Christina? Like part of what we do in these in these podcast conversations and in our work together is like okay so now what what do we do what are you and i um committed to doing to address these things and so this may sound like a repeat because it is um everything is all interconnected microaggressions implicit bias racism anti-asian violent attacks anti-black anti-indigenous all of this um, stems from the same roots. So what we're currently doing to address this issue is um, as I've shared before, um, is really what stood out to me in that YouTube video we talked about last time is really the critical step is to look in on ourselves um, and starting with a lot of learning and unlearning and you know, building in that time to reflect and to think about you know, what are some of the things that I that I learned early on that I need to unlearn? And what are some of the areas that I need to do more learning um, and, and, you know, look deeply, look at more deeply. And another thing that I'm currently doing to address this is like speaking up for sure and building up solid solidarity within my school campus. Um, and when I say that, I'm really meaning like, I'm, I'm kind of moving past this whole idea of finding allies. Sorry, I don't know, that might just sound a little too extreme. And Christina, I didn't share this with you earlier, but I, I kind of like had a moment today where I was um, kind of deep thinking of like Drake's song, like No New Friends. <laughs> I'm not gonna sing it right now, but where it's like, it's not, <laughs> she's laughing. <laughs> it's not that I'm, um, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm done looking for allies. I'm, I'm looking for co-conspirators. Like I'm at that level now where I'm like, all right, I think we're all kind of in this space of like wanting to be allies, but I, I'm actually trying to find my co-conspirators on my campus being that I'm new. Um, and I'm, I'm, and yeah, I have them, I have you, um, and I have others that I, like my former colleagues that I consider, or my friends that I consider co-conspirators that I can talk to and vent to, but sometimes it's hard to like really understand what I'm talking about unless you're there and part of the staff. And so, what I'm trying to do now is like find those co-conspirators um, that I've worked with so that I, we can lean on each other and support one another and um, 
you know, continue to bring up these things to hopefully build up a community and a space where we can call out and call in those that we feel are um, committing these acts of microaggression on our school sites. And you, Christina? Uh, absolutely. Um, everything that you said, I want to ditto. Uh, but then also just, I, I, and I know I shared this in the last podcast, but just like what Aline said, everything is interconnected. So I don't, when I'm talking about moving forward, like it's, I'm going to talk about something that I said that I'm going to commit to the last time. So here it is again, um, I wanna continue cultivating a space and a foundation within our staff to discuss racism, implicit biases and systemic practices that hinder our students and specifically our students of color. And then secondly, connecting equitable, culturally responsive practices to PBIS and school-wide instructional practices. So that's what I will continue uh, to focus on at my specific school site. However, um, in connection to Aline and I together as a team, as a collaborative team, uh, we will continue to educate ourselves by reading, researching and unpacking with each other and other fellow educators. We will share our knowledge with fellow educators who want to revolutionize the current K-12 public school system. And lastly, we will support fellow educators who want to revolutionize, keyword revolutionize, uh, not maintain the status quo, but revolutionize the current K-12 public school system by being thought partners, coaches, co-conspirators, and planners. So with that said, um, please check out our blog, specifically blog number eight at empoweredconversationspodcast.com, where we have listed articles, videos, and books in connection to today's, uh, this podcast that you're listening to right now because we are learning with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's key. It's like, we are learning with you. We are part, like we're going through this process um, and we're committed to doing this work. Um, and we're just, we know this is our platform to share it with you all and invite you in on these conversations. Um, something that, you know, is, Something I wanna add that I wanna encourage you all to continue supporting us by is to visit our podcast and to, I mean, sorry, to visit our website, um, listen to our podcast, subscribe, please share with a friend or a colleague, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us, um, you know, get noticed um, and engage with us on Instagram. That's really a place where we're trying to build community and want to hear from you all. Um, and the books that we link in the blogs are books that, you know, either we're reading or on our, our reading list and it's part of our um, bookshop. And so we have one now where, um, you can purchase the books from independent bookstores. Um, and so we've created our list and we've curated, curated kind of what are the books that we've read or that we're recommending, um, for you all to read or that we're going to read as well. So please, you know, check that out and support us in that way as well. But before we say goodbye, I can't leave this part out. We got to check in on our self-care, Christina, because I think this is something that we got to keep 
checking in about um, since, you know, we both mentioned feeling tired and I think, you know, this work is tiring, it's exhausting. Um, and part of it's like, yeah, reflection, um, but you know, we, we gotta build in that self-care. So what did you commit to, or what did you um, do for self-care since the last time we, tech we talked? Oh, um, well, I continued to read for pleasure. Um, I wish I could say that I've been keeping up with uh, my physical exercise. I, I want to say, once again, it, it's a roller coaster. Um, I'm, I'm lacking consistency. I'm not saying that I'm not doing it, but um, I'm, I'm, it could be a little bit more consistent. But I feel like the number one thing that has been consistent for me that has been helping me in the past months, uh, this past year, um, especially in the past few months, uh, just, it, just personally is um, just really devoting time in my, um, my faith and my religion, just praying, um, reading the Bible, mm -hmm. um, those are the things that have been keeping me uh, grounded and focused. Nice. I like it. Thank you. And then what about you? Um, man, so same as you, like I kind of wish that I was doing more for the physical health part of it. Um, I, I, I have, you know, I still kind of like go out for walks. I went out for one today. Um, to take a break from the office, but I've also, um, you know, had a couple workouts on the workout bike the last couple weeks, so that's been good. Um, but I want to say that the main form of self-care that I've had and that I'm committing to and that I've been doing for a while that I didn't mention before, but it's a total form of self-care um, is therapy. And I just, I, I, I tend to like not list that um, but that has definitely been something that's helped me out this school year and through the pandemic is just having that like devoted time to talk to someone and process my feelings and thoughts. Um, and so I, I don't think we talk about that enough as a form of self-care within our profession. Um, but yeah, so that's something I've been doing and I've been using the Shine app to do daily meditation um, and mindful, guided mindfulness um, and that honestly has been really, really helpful. And next time I'll share just kind of one of the one of the the meditations that I found super helpful and that might be helpful when we talk about self-care. So stay tuned for that. But ultimately, Christine, I'm just glad that we're starting to identify the things that help us stay grounded and that help us continue in this work because, man, I, I have my moments. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, everyone, and listening to our podcast today. We look forward to seeing you all, or sorry, having you join us. We can't see you, but having us, um, having you join us in this conversation this week, we look forward to next time. See you then. Bye. Bye, y'all.
We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empowered Conversations Pod. Check out our content and engage in a conversation with us through the comments or DMs. Also, please help us grow and share this with your friends, colleagues, as well as post on your social media. We look forward to next time. Take it easy. Oh, 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 oh,